0: You're listening to the Paradox Church podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Perfect. Awesome. We are in a series called The New Normal. We are in our 12th week, and this year, unlike any other, has certainly been a new normal, hasn't it? I remember going to the grocery store like six, seven months ago, and you go and you see that one person that has a face mask on, and it's like, what's going on? Like, it just seems so weird, right? Like, maybe they're really sick, maybe they're just a big germaphobe. Uh, Fast forward to today, you walk into a grocery store today and you don't have a mask on and you're the one that looks weird. Our whole world in so many ways has been flipped upside down here in 2020. I think there's been some small ways where it's changed. Zoom is officially a part of our language, right? I don't know what happened to Skype, by the way, uh, but Zoom is officially a part of our language. People are now working from home more than ever. I was just talking to somebody in commercial real estate and I said, are you concerned about the market for commercial real estate? And he's like, we're seeing a lot of people who are transitioning their employees to working from home, so we have a legitimate concern. He said, on the other hand though, a business that normally wanted 2,000 square feet now wants 4,000 square feet because they wanna be able to appropriately social distance. He's like, I'm hoping for us, it's gonna work out okay. Uh, So if you're somebody who's working in a cubicle, maybe your life is gonna improve here uh, pretty soon. Restaurants have been closed, sports, have been canceled and are continuing to be canceled. Um, even church has changed. Like for the last five months, we weren't in this building. We, we just started meeting back in this building a few weeks ago, so for a long time, we were doing church virtually, online. And that was different, it was weird, it was, it was kinda nice for a little while. Um, but after a while, it, I think some of the, the, just joy of something new and different kinda wears off and it's like, I wanna get back to church. Um, during those five months, we experienced that when you watch church online, and some people are still watching online here today, they're not quite ready to come back, and, and that's okay. And there's people who are watching from home this morning. There's a lot of different types of online viewers of church, and so I want to show you a quick clip of the different types of online church viewers. So go ahead and check out your screens. First, Old Testament. The new New Testament. Okay, did they say it was on MySpace or Twitter? Maybe it was Bookface. Alright, so I'm watching on Facebook and streaming on YouTube. Forward this to my uncle. Email this to my sister. <laughs> Easy. Mom, I gotta call you guys. Yeah, five or appreciation weekend. I gotta go. Alright, bye-bye. Amen. Amen. I can't see a thing. This iPhone's too small. Amen. Oh amen. I didn't know, take notes on that. Okay, mommy's going to sit down for church. You stay right here, okay? All right. Love it. So what type of online viewer are you? At our house, I'm the non-techie. Every time my wife tells me to get service ready, I can't figure it out, and eventually she has to come down and and do it. But the reality is, life has changed, right? So many small ways life has changed, and the truth is, there's a lot of big ways life has changed. I think unemployment right now is in a place where it's never been before. So many of us have lost our jobs, so many of us are wondering if I'm gonna lose my job. The government did a pretty cool thing. They added $600 a weekly benefit. So if you were unemployed, you know you got an extra $600, and that just expired on July 31st. Everyone's hoping that Congress is going to do something. They just announced a couple days ago that they're probably going on recess for a couple weeks, so nothing's going to happen. Wouldn't it be nice to have a couple week-long recess? I'm sure our kids would love that. Virtual learning is happening. So many school districts are announcing now that they're not going to be going back in person. And there's a lot of wisdom, I think, in that, But it's also going to create a lot of challenges for families. Single parents, I don't know how you're going to do it. You will. God's going to be with you, but it's going to be really, really difficult. For families with both parents working, there's so many just decisions and things that have to be worked out unlike ever before. I think there's a Groundhog's Day effect. You can nod if you felt that the last couple months there's a Groundhog's Day effect of every day just kind of feels like the same thing. You can't go a lot of places. You can't travel. You can't do some of the things you used to do. Having little kids, I'm feeling so much for moms right now who are just putting everything into their kids day by day and not really being able to catch a break. Just being able to go to the grocery store and shop has become a more difficult task. And then on top of all this, we have a virus that we don't know exactly how to manage it, we don't know exactly where it's at and and what's happening here. There's a legitimate fear of health. How many of us have coughed or had a tickle in our throat the last couple months and you immediately go to that place? Do, Do I have it? Is something gonna happen to me? Am I gonna maybe unintentionally pass this to someone in my family or one of my friends, maybe who's more vulnerable? Unlike ever before, our world is just being turned upside down. And it kinda sucks. My kids are in the room. It kind of stinks. Um, it's been a tough, tough year. But, and this is the part where you can smile at, we serve a God who is so awesome. And he cares for us so much. Like any good dad, when things aren't going well, he wants to be in the middle of that with us. First Peter 5.7 says it this way, that we should cast all, say the word all, We should cast all of our anxiety on him because he cares for you. There's a storm going on, but he wants to be in the middle of it with us. He wants to draw us back to himself. And so we have an opportunity in 2020 not just to survive, but to thrive. And we've been doing that through this series called A New Normal. And I love this series. This was such a good idea by our lead pastor, Dave Kubiak, because as we're learning the new normal of 2020, we're also recognizing that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this earth and he taught a totally new normal. And so what if we can look back on what Jesus taught and we can take those teachings into this year? I think it's our best chance to succeed this year is to look back on the life of Jesus and what he taught. And so for the last 12 weeks, we've had eight different speakers on this stage, which has been so cool, uh, a wide, diverse group of people, some of them for the first time coming on the stage and preaching and doing an awesome job. And we've been walking through each week the Sermon on the Mount. That's Jesus' most popular sermon that he ever delivered. He's on a mountaintop and he's preaching all these unbelievable things to these people. And still 2,000 years later, we can look back and we can learn and grow from those teachings. So we've walked through that each week, and I have the awesome privilege of closing us out in week 12 of A New Normal. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 27. Before we do that, I'd love to just take a moment to pray and just let God's spirit come into this place with us. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that in the midst of storms and challenges and so much new, God, that we probably would have never asked for, thank you that you're still with us. Thank you that you are a dad who cares and wants to be in the middle of this with us. I pray this morning that our hearts would be turned back to you. Whatever else is going on outside of our minds, would you silence that, Lord, and you allow us to look at you our amazing and loving Father and help us f- to fill your presence this morning. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 27. The title of this little section of scripture is called The Wise and Foolish Builders. Do you want to be wise or do you want to be foolish? <laughs> it's a pretty easy question, right? All right, let's find out how. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine So Jesus is concluding his sermon. Everyone who's heard this sermon, all these different teachings that I just gave, everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. COVID-19 came in. 2020 came in, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. COVID-19 came in, 2020 came in, and that house fell with a great crash. This year has challenged us, it has tested our house, and it is going to continue to test our house. So I want to encourage us this morning to build our house on the rock. Before we do that, I want to spend a moment thinking about what we need to be on guard for. Because the world is trying to sell us a whole lot of other stuff, right? The world's not selling us Jesus and his teachings. The world's selling us a whole lot of different stuff. So what do you feel like in your own life, in your own heart, the world's trying to sell you? Where are you being tempted? I'm going to give you a list, and I think this is going to capture a lot of our thoughts and feelings. The world wants to sell us on money and wealth, you got to get to the top of the corporate ladder. you got to build up that 401k. you got to retire early. The American dream, you can do this. That's how you build a foundation, says the world. Or there's success. You have to have success at work, with your school, with your family. You want your kids to thrive. So many of us, it's all about our kids. As long as our kids are doing well, then we're okay. That's our foundation is our kids. Pleasure. Let's enjoy the moment. Let's enjoy today. Let's do what feels good right? As long as you're having fun and feeling good, that's the key to a good life. Material items, physical appearance, how do I look? What kind of stuff do I have? How about politics? How's my political party doing? Are they thriving right now? Is that how we're going to build our life is on our our political party? The truth is that there can be a lot of good in a lot of these things, but if that's our rock, that's our foundation, it's not going to last. These things are fleeting. Life is going to happen. A storm will come in. I want to show you another quick video. And this is an example of what it looks like, I think, for us to put our lives on the world's foundation. Do you guys notice all the guys are like laughing? Like, this is awesome. <laughs> this woman's wedding day is being ruined and they're like, I'm getting wet. Guys are stupid. <laughs> that dock probably looks like a solid foundation, right? It looks nice and sturdy. You get enough weight on that dock and it's going to crumble. And I think that's true for so many things the world is trying to sell us. You get enough weight on that, a strong enough storm comes in and it's going to crumble. So many people who I think don't have a a religious worldview have this idea that, you know, you just got to have enough good in your life. The good's got to outweigh the bad. And Dr. Ravi Zacharias, who is this amazing Christian apologist, went around the world teaching uh, about Christianity and defending the faith and challenging people who didn't believe in God. Unfortunately, he uh, battled cancer earlier this year and lost his life, which is a huge loss for the Christian community. But during his time, he had so many amazing speeches, and he gave a great example about this exact topic, about people just trying to go through life, just making sure the the good outweighs the bad, and just trying to figure out life on our own without a worldview of God. And here's what he says. He says, I remember lecturing at Ohio State University, one of the largest universities in the country. I was minutes away from beginning my lecture, and my host was driving me past a new building called the Wexner Center for the Performing Arts. He said this is America's first postmodern building. So postmodern is this idea that Life's just kind of up to us to figure out. There's no moral absolute, there's no God, there's no fundamental teaching, it's just kind of societal norms and figure it out for yourself. So Robbie says, I was startled, and I said, what is a postmodern building? And the host said, the architect said that he designed this building with no design in mind. When the architect was asked why, he said, if life itself is capricious and ever-changing, why should our buildings have any design and any meaning? So he has pillars that have no purpose. He has stairways that go nowhere. He has a senseless building built, and somebody has paid for it." I said, so his argument was that if life has no purpose and no design, why should the building have any design? And he said, that's correct. And I said, did he do the same with the foundation? And there was silence. You see, I can fool with the infrastructure as much as I want, but we dare not fool with the foundation, because it will call our bluff in a hurry. Here at Paradox, This is our foundation. If you've been a part of our isms class, we say that the word has the final word here. This is our foundation. This is how we build our life. This is what we look to when the storm comes in. And so we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount, and he says that if you take these teachings and you put them into practice, that's how you build your house on the rock. And so what I want to do to close us out for this series is I want to go through those teachings. I'm going to go through the last 11 weeks. I'm going to try to do it in 11 minutes. I think I got this. Because I want us to to refresh and to remember, what did Jesus teach us? How do we build our house on the rock? Because the world's over here trying to sell us sand, right? we got some buckets of sand. And it's like, why don't you sprinkle some sand in your life? But I think God wants so much more for us. He wants us to build our house on the rock. All right, here we go. Week one. If you've been with us, this is going to be a refresh. If not, uh, I guess you're welcome. Week one, Pastor Dave talked about having a new perspective. At the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches the Beatitudes. Beatitude is a word that's Latin that actually means happy and blessed. So Jesus starts out his sermon saying, I'm going to teach you what it means to be happy and blessed. Think for a moment, where do you think he's going to go with this? Who's the happy and the blessed? Jesus says, it's the poor in spirit. It's those who mourn, those who show mercy. Those who are pure in heart, those who are persecuted for their righteousness. That doesn't sound like blessing to me, does it? But here's what God's telling us. In this new perspective, Jesus is saying that you're happy and blessed when life gets difficult because you're drawn back to me. We are meant to do life with God. We are meant to do life with Jesus. And when we're drawn back to God, that is when we are happy and blessed. To build our house on the rock is to realize that we are blessed when we are drawn to God. To build our house on the sand is to be fooled, to believe that blessings are material things apart from God. Material things can be blessings, don't get me wrong. But in relationship with God, thank you, Jesus, for the job promotion. I'm gonna keep working hard and try to please my employer. That's amazing, right? But believing that, that getting stuff and money and all this apart from a relationship with God is foolish. It's building our house on the sand. So Dave encouraged us to have a new perspective. In week two, Mike said we should have a new purpose. Jesus taught next that you are the salt of the earth. Salt adds flavor to food, right? Salt adds flavor. It stands out. It tastes good. He goes, as Christians walking in this world, you should stand out. Your life should look different. To build our house on the rock is to follow Jesus' life of compassion and love and truth. To build your house on the sand is to fit in with everyone else. It's to live your life without any greater purpose. Week three, Dave said we should have a new simplicity. Jesus says we should let our yes be yes and our no be no. And he's simply saying we should have integrity. We should be people that others can count on. What would it look like if you could count on all the people in your life? To, be, to build your house on the rock is being in a position that other people can count on you. Sometimes that means it's a calendar issue. Sometimes it can be a character issue. Calendar issue is my calendar is too busy. I experience this sometimes with my kids where it's like, hey dad, let's go you know, do Legos. And I got so many things in my mind. And I'm home and I'm there, but I'm not totally there, right? And it's like, yeah, in a couple minutes. Oh dad, come on, let's do Legos. Yeah, in a couple minutes. And then finally I'm like, hey, let's go do Legos. And then it's like, oh, I'm going outside now. And it's like, I missed my chance, you know? And so sometimes our calendar is just too busy. We have too many things on our mind and sometimes we gotta clear that out. And other times it can actually be a character issue where maybe we're just a little bit selfish. And so Jesus is saying, be be someone that people can count on. Your relationships are going to grow so much stronger when other people can count on you. To build your house on the sand is to be too selfish or too busy or to be someone that other people can't count on. In week four, Dave says we should take our life to a new level. Jesus teaches, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully commits adultery in her heart. Jesus cares about our heart he knows that our heart is ultimately going to lead to action. And so Jesus is trying to cut off that problem from the very beginning. He's saying you shouldn't even look at a woman lustfully. He's raising the bar from the old teachings. He's calling us to a new level of holiness. To build your house on the rock is to fight for holiness. There's a pastor named John Owen who puts it this way, be killing sin or it will be killing you. To build your house on the sand is to be selfish, to be weak, not to fight not to pray for change, not to bring other people into your life who you can count on and who can challenge you through those struggles. Week five, Liz said we should have a new surrender. She talked about letting it go. Jesus taught people used to say, you shall not murder. But he says we shouldn't even be angry with each other. It's the same idea here. Jesus cares about our heart. He doesn't even want us angry with other people. And he calls us to apologize. Right? When we've done something wrong, we should... Confess that. We should ask for forgiveness. And we should take it a step further and ask for reconciliation with those people. What would it look like if that's how we all lived our lives? Right? We all just say, oh, I screwed up. Will you forgive me? Can we talk about this? Yet so often we get into relational carnage because we're not willing to do that. To build our house on the rock, Jesus is saying, you need to be man enough or woman enough to admit your mistake, to ask for forgiveness and to seek reconciliation. It's about being the bigger person. To build our house in the sand is to be bitter, to hold grudges, to only talk with your struggles to people who you know are going to agree with you. In week six, Mike says, we are called to a new standard. Jesus says not to store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. James puts it very similarly. He says, your wealth will rot, your gold and silver will corrode. Ultimately, if we try to put All of our worth and our stuff, it's not going to last. We are called to a new standard, and to build your house on the rock is you put God first. You put God first, and the money comes along with it, right? And the money can be a tool, a resource to help. To build your house on the sand is you put money first, and it's going to drag you along, and you're going to have to go wherever it wants to go. Week seven. Dave talked about a new dependence. Jesus taught the Our Father here at this point in the Sermon on the Mount, if you're familiar. Part of this prayer, he says, give us today our daily bread. When the Israelites were in the desert thousands of years ago, they were in the desert, they didn't have any food, and God would literally rain down bread for them every single day. And he'd give them just enough food for today. And he was teaching them through this process that you can count on me. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to provide enough. If you look to me and you put your faith in me, I will be there. I'm dependable. Please just look to me. So to build our house on the rock is to put your faith and dependence on God each day. We need that right now. 2020 has been brutal. We need this right now. This is a great lesson for all of us right now to put our faith and our dependence on God. There's uncertainty. There's things we don't know about, what the future holds. We have to look to God. To build your house on the sand is to white-knuckle it. This is what so many men do. It's like, I'm just going to figure it out. I don't need anybody. I don't need God. I can figure this out myself. But ultimately, we need a stronger foundation than that. I don't think that's any way for us to try to live. Michael in week eight taught about a new way. Jesus tells us, he says, the path is narrow. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. Me and my kids go hiking a lot, and when you get onto the, one of the trails we go to, like 30 feet in, there's this you know, big, wide, 10-foot trail. There's this little side trail, and every time it's like, can we go that way? Heck yeah, we can. It's going to be awesome, right? And you go down that way, and it takes you down across the stream. We always see deer. There's a vine you can swing from. It's a little bit more work. It's not as easy to walk through, but it's awesome, and it's worth it. Michael put it this way, to build your house on the rock is to follow Jesus' narrow way, and his way is love. But to build your house on the sand is to follow the way of the world. Michael put it this way, he says, I can't fit into heaven with my self-righteousness. In week nine, Holly talked about a new priority. Jesus tells us not to worry. He says he cares for the birds and the air. Don't you think he's going to care for us even more? Holly said that Jesus is the antidote for anxiety. In Galatians 5.13, he calls us to freedom. We can trust him. To build your house on the rock is to trust Jesus with everything, to let him be our priority. Are you guys noticing a theme here? To build your house on the sand is to put your trust in other things, in your job, in your money, in anything temporary that is ultimately going to fade away. We're almost home. Week 10, Sean taught a new humility. Jesus asks, why do you point out the speck, the speck in someone else's eye, and ignore the log in your own eye? Philippians 2 puts it a little bit differently. It says, we should value others above ourselves. If we want to thrive in relationships, you put other people first. You want to have a solid marriage, you put your spouse before yourself. To build your house on the rock is to show humility in your relationships. To build your house on the sand is to be selfish. Over here we have selfless. Over here we have selfish, right? Selfless, selfish. In week 11, Cecilia taught a new connection. Jesus said that not everyone who says Lord, Lord is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. This is a pretty sobering comment from Jesus. He's towards the end of his sermon and he says, not everyone who says Lord, Lord Is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. People are going to come to me and they're going to say, Well, I know you. And Jesus' response is going to be, Not really. Cecilia said that we have to have an unwavering yes in our hearts to Jesus' plans, purposes, and leadership. Have you ever said yes to Jesus? He calls you into something that's scary, that's difficult, where you don't know what's going to happen, but you say yes anyway, he will blow your mind. God has amazing plans and purpose for us. To build our house on the rock is to say yes to Jesus. To build our house on the sand is to not connect with God. It's to not talk to him. When there's big life events, it's to not consult him, to try to listen to him, to try to get encouragement from other people who are also in relationship with God. I hope you're noticing that there's a very consistent theme about building your house on the rock. God wants to draw us in. He wants to draw us into himself. The very end, the last two sentences, I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 to 29. We read, When Jesus had finished saying all of these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Before, because, excuse me, because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. When the teachers of the law came, they taught the tradition, they taught the old way. And Jesus comes in and says, No, I have a new way. I'm going to take us to a new perspective, a new level, a new humility. He teaches us how to build our house on the rock. I'm going to read 24 to 27 one more time, and I'm going to call up my volunteers for the morning. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Mike Nank set this up for me, you guys. These things are heavy. Um, But They're also really sturdy. If you build your house on the rock, you're going to have a solid foundation. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. 2020 came in. Sickness came in. Unemployment came in. Fear came in. Yet this house did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. All right, Layla, Judah, I'm ready for you. Can you guys welcome Layla and Judah? Is Sean coming? Sean's coming too. All right, these are my helpers. Layla has a note for me. Oh, cool. Awesome. All right, here's what we're going to do. Don't do anything quite yet. These are my kids, everybody. This is Layla. She's eight. This is Judah. He's six. This is Sean. He's three. Thank you. Awesome. All right. This is the really cool part about the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is teaching, right, for probably hours on end. And he says that when the storm comes, the interesting part is they're in the Middle East in Palestine. Storms were not very common. So Judah, go ahead and step up. Sean, you can go ahead and step up too. So Layla, come on over. So Layla's over here on the sand, and Judah and Sean are over here on the rock And if you look at it, most days, they look pretty much the same, don't they? So we've got the the rock, we've got the sand, but there's not too often storms in Palestine. And so most days, you guys look pretty cool. Look like you're doing pretty good. The problem is when the storms came in, they were violent. They were vicious. And so the people knew when Jesus taught this, that when the storm comes in, it's going to be ugly. You guys ready? Do we have insurance for this? The storm's coming, the winds are blowing, it falls down. Look at you guys, way to go. All right, good job, Judah and Sean. All right, so Mike built a pretty fancy contraption for this. I don't know exactly how this is going to work. I'm going to hold your hand. But when the storm comes in and it gets violent, I can't even shake this thing. My word. All right, here's what happens. Uh Uh-oh. Thud. Thud. It crashes. Everybody give Layla a hand. <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. Sandcastle. So my question is, what looks like a... Bu- you guys can go ahead and take a seat. Thank you. <laughs> hey, Sean, go that way. Um, what looks better to you, right? What, where do you want your house to be? Do you want it to be on the rock or do you want it to be on the sand? This year... Feel like a broken record. This year has not been easy. And I've been talking to God about this, and it's like, God, what are you doing? Why are you allowing so much to change? Why are you allowing so much challenge in so many people's lives? And here's what I think is true. At the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, we learn that we are blessed when we are drawn to God. Right now is an opportunity for us to be drawn to God. In the midst of everything that's going on, God is saying, will you you do life with me? Will you look to me? Will you let me be a part of this? I'm your dad. I care about you. I want to be in this with you. He's calling us to himself. Maybe 2020 isn't a bad year. Maybe it's a blessed year. If you're new to Christianity or you're just checking us out and this feels overwhelming to you, I just spoke about 11 different sermons in, in about 15 minutes. It can feel a little overwhelming. I've got to do what? sounds like way too much. Here's how it works. You know how this gets built? One rock at a time. One rock at a time. Day by day. You don't have to be overwhelmed. And you're going to screw up some days, and that's okay too. But what if you were to just start slowly putting rocks into your life? Slowly trying to be the bigger person. Slowly looking to Jesus instead of stuff. Slowly looking to people who are going to encourage you and support you and love you rather than just reinforce some frustrations you have. I don't think it's actually that hard. He wants to be in this with us. All we have to do is look to him and say, Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you come into my heart? Will you come into my every day? It's a simple step. If you've made that decision, you've said, I want to do life with God. Lord, I'm putting my trust in you. And you've not been baptized. Next week's your week. The Bible says to put our faith in Jesus and to be baptized. So if you've never been baptized, we would love for you to come back next week and proclaim to the public that I want to do this. It might be intimidating, but maybe that's the step that Jesus is calling you to. To be bold and to say, yes, I want change in my life. I want a solid foundation so when the storm comes, I can be at peace. I love the fact that it stormed this morning. I was sleeping. My son, Sean, a little guy comes in. Dad, is it thundering out? I go, yeah, come here. I picked him up, took him downstairs. We laid on the couch. I just held him and he fell asleep. It's storming outside. He's a little scared of storms. but He's got his dad. He's got his arms wrapped around him. Everything's okay. I'm just going to go to sleep. We can be at peace when we're doing life with God. If you're a seasoned Christian and this has still been a difficult year, that's okay. That's okay. There's hope. And that's what I'll encourage you with this morning is there's always hope in Jesus. Here's my one challenge to you. It's a simple one. It's to pray daily. 30 seconds. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you can't get over, whatever that numbness feeling is, maybe that's what it is. It's a numbness. God, I... I don't feel close to you right now. This year is too tough. I'm too exhausted. I don't feel close to you. Pray that. God, would you you help me feel more affection towards you? God, I want to love you. I want to do life with you, but life is hard right now. Would you just come into this place with me? Would you help calm my anxiety? Would you allow me to feel your arms wrapped around me? It's a simple step to pray daily as we look back on the teachings of Jesus, the new normal that he taught because I believe it'll change our, our world, our life, our family, our relationships. So we're gonna do two songs, and I just want this to be a, a time to reflect, a time to ask God, where would, you ha- where would you move? What are you gonna do in my life? How are you gonna help me feel like I've got a solid footing right now? And the first song we're gonna play is Cornerstone. The Bible teaches that Jesus is the cornerstone, the rock that holds everything together. Would that be our prayer as a church this morning? Jesus, would you be our cornerstone? Would you be our rock so that when the storms come, because they're going to come, the storm will come to everybody. But when it comes, we don't have to fear God because you're with us. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts, move in our relationship with you and with each other. Give us a renewed sense of affection and love for you, God. Would you be our rock? Would you be our cornerstone? Amen. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.